Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we are set to explore, continue to explore the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 43, talking about Joseph's uh, brothers bringing Benjamin to Egypt. There's a lot going on here. On Tuesday, we left off in what, verse 15. So, What I want to do for us this evening is just really jump right in. There's a lot of subject matter I want to get into, a lot of things to talk about. What a blessing it is to be able to sit down and reflect with you, uh, the listening audience, on the richness and the beauty of the book of Genesis and all that encircles, really, the person and figure of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles out, if you want to turn to chapter 43, And I think, my friends, I will go ahead and get us started by reading verses, uh, let's see here, 16 to 24. Yeah, chapter 43, verses 16 to 24. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph bade him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid (laughs) because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, It is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us to make us slaves and to seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, O my Lord, We came down the first time to buy food, and when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was every man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us, and we have brought other money down in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. He replied, Rest assured, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father must have put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys food, they made ready the present for Joseph's coming at noon. For they heard that they should eat bread there. What's going on here in these opening verses? When Joseph looked out and beheld Benjamin with his older brothers, he set a plan in motion, apparently without talking to them, right? He instructed his servant to take these men into his house and to prepare a meal for them, to prepare a meal for them in a way that parallels what, my friends, but the reception of the prodigal son in the New Testament, right? In many ways, Joseph, we could say, embodies the merciful love of the father that we see from the prodigal son. Uh, What do we intend to mean here when we speak of mercy? Maybe we should offer up a few minutes to that. 
There are two principal Hebrew words in the Old Testament that translate God's mercy. First, there is the Hebrew word hased, which means uh, steadfast love, a blood bond of love, in effect, covenant love. Love defined, my friends, by the exchange, not of things, but of persons. He and me, and I and him. Not this is yours and this is mine, but I am yours and you are mine. That's what covenant love is all about. If you were to go to any dictionary, you would see covenant defined as a compact agreement. God elevates this covenant. Why? Because God is persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, it's not about things, but persons. And this, my friends, will play itself out in this evening's narrative. Someone who has the attribute of said, we could say, is someone who you can always count on, right? Someone who never lets you down. As noted by many Old Testament scholars, when you look at said, what you see is that this is a love we can probably best define as a dependable love, a holy love, a love that rescues. Can you hear how this merciful love describes Joseph? Now, there's something else going on in the Old Testament, because there's a second term for God's mercy in the Old Testament, and that is the rahamim, rahamim. Uh, the rahamim in the Hebrew is defined as tender love, okay, compassionate love, which can probably be best understood as a love that springs forth from the innermost place of God's being, what is going on there? Well, the root to rahamim is a word that means the abdominal region, that region which goes to the core of one's being. So rahamim conveys what but intimacy, right? That most intimate place of oneself. Therefore, it can be defined as uh, tenderness and God's gentle touch. The person my friends, who possesses Rahamim is someone who feels for your plight and is moved by compassion to help you. Rahamim, in conjunction with Hased, really do orchestrate the symphony of that chief attribute of God's love mercy. And dare we say that chief attribute to Joseph. If we are going to speak to mercy as the movement of the heart that is shaken at another's plight, at another's pain, we could say that Joseph is merciful. Mercy is the act of love of God that wants to fill every void and darkness in the human heart with life and joy. Love is mercy when it is gripped by suffering and seeks to do something about it. Brothers and sisters, Joseph looks upon his own siblings and sees their unknown suffering. He is gripped by their poverty, and he seeks to do something about it. One could say that this whole narrative of Joseph is about Joseph's own encounter with God's merciful love to then ultimately share this mercy he's come to know with his own family. St. Thomas Aquinas defines mercy as the compassion in our hearts for another person's misery, a compassion which drives us to do what we can to help him. Uh, we could say this translates the Latin for mercy, right? Misericordia. Misericordia. What do you hear in that compound? But misericordia, the heart. 
Yeah, so I think Aquinas hits the right note there, huh? The compassion in our hearts for another person's misery. And again, Joseph, my friends, as this story will continue to reveal, is a man of mercy, a man who is both radically faithful and gentle and at once gripped by the other's misery. And oh, by the way, he understood the task largely due uh, to his own encounter with the God who is all-powerful and all-merciful. So I thought necessary uh, pause to reflect into mercy as we reflect into this man on mercy. Now, what about these verses? Well, clearly the brothers are unaware of what is going on, unaware that they were being taken into Joseph's home to partake of this noon meal. They thought it was they who were destined for slaughter. Isn't this paradox so fascinating? For those who are guilty, I find it fascinating that they are always the one who make the worst out of every situation. If you, my friends, are making the worst out of every situation, if you are paranoid of this person or that person, are you guilty? Mea culpa. I find in myself when I'm finding the worst in a situation, it probably has something to do with my own guilt or my own lack of trust. Okay. Now, to the brother's defense, we should make the point that prisons were located in the homes of well-to-do political figures. So it was possible that Joseph was provided a prison in his home, right? It was possible. And so they may have been thinking about that, right? right? So historically and contextually, there might be uh, more than meets the eye, right? Now, as these verses spell out, it appears that they are in desperation here, huh? They took the steward aside to explain how they had found their money in their sacks and that they had brought it with them to repay it. Uh, oh, by the way, steward, come over here. We want to tell you why we did what we did and what happened to us. And what was the steward's response? Well, he clearly sought to calm their fears, calm their fears by assuring them that he had received the money for their grain. Because indeed he had, huh? <laughs> but he did not mention to them that it was he, under Joseph's orders, who also returned it. Maybe in keeping with later biblical instruction on giving, right? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 to 4, where the steward informed these men that it was their God and the God of their father who had provided this money. And of course, what else to calm their fears but... He brought out Simeon and returned him to them. So by this time, the men had learned that the reason for their being brought to Joseph's home wasn't to punish them, but to invite them, invite them to partake in the noon meal with him. And so anticipating Joseph's arrival, they first were given water to drink and, and freshen up and fodder to feed their animals. After this, what do we read? But they set themselves to the task of preparing the gift which they would present to Joseph when he arrived. A lot going on in these opening verses. Let us turn to verse 26 here and read the rest of chapter 43. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present which they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground. There is again <laughs> the dream, huh? The dream of which they have no recollection of. All right, verse 27. 
And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? What do you hear in that question? But a genuine concern. Is my father okay? Through those cryptic words. How is my father doing? Joseph is asking. They said, unaware who this man is, right? Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and made obeisance. Can he not read these verses without a smile on your face? How God just works in all of the mysterious moments of the, of the suspecting and unsuspecting figures here in this story. Fascinating. Verse 29, And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Wow. Joseph... An apparent Egyptian political figure pronounces a blessing? What in the world is going on here? Verse 30. Then Joseph made haste, for his heart